0: Welcome to Beautiful World Stories. This is the third episode where me and Ethan talk about his story. We get some updates from him about it and also talk about how writing backstories for everything affects his writing style. I hope you all enjoy. have a quieter i have a quieter voice i guess
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i tend to get especially when i get going i start to get really <laughs> intense and into yeah. it so expressive, expressive what i would call it yeah.
0: yeah um okay well i guess this is going to be the start of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> We've we made <laughs> it again uh,
1: <clears throat> thank you for yeah. having me
0: um w- whether it was on purpose or not we haven't talked a ton about your book and i wanted to i guess i wanted to give you i wanted to give more of an opportunity to
1: yeah i think um a lot of the content's getting to the point well let me start off with i actually wrote something a couple weeks ago (laughs) i know (laughs) out of this multi-book series i have written the first five paragraphs (laughs) 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 i did that three weeks ago and i haven't touched it since (laughs) that's great (laughs) yeah i finally got it started. Version 4 has finally begun to be written. <laughs> and then I got to those five paragraphs and I was like I like the first two. I don't like the second three. <laughs> <laughs> and then I stopped and then I thought about some more and and then I got distracted by something else. Um oh, uh you and I have talked about it, but I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I've been drawing. I draw I draw most of everything that has to do with this book, except for the actual characters. I can't draw people. I can draw pretty much anything else.
0: Is it all just stick figures?
1: It's. It's. I don't even get to diagramming out the oh, people. Okay. They're all in my head. <laughs> it's visual <laughs> enough. It's, sure. um, I do a lot of... Pinterest research, right? <laughs> and gathering.
0: Right. I, I would imagine that's a great
1: hundred great resource. Hundreds and hundreds of pictures, and my mom and I go through and sort them together. It's a lot of fun bonding time. But the the drawings I've actually pulled up. You can't read it. You can't see it. Sorry, uh, dear listener. But but uh, you can. <laughs> um, I have up on the monitor over here cycling through different pictures of my map and this is what i this is like my happy place in my book i know there's a there's a thing and there's another thing. <laughs> i was pointing at a at at a
0: image on the screen of a landmass and yeah there's it's cool yeah it's very cool yeah <laughs>
1: he has seen these so many times yeah. that <laughs>
0: they're getting more detailed though that which is, is really cool
1: yeah like i've uh the most recent project has been um each, I have multiple regions on this world and each region I drew separately and then I had to put them together and then I went back and separately developed all of their countries and then I realized because I'm slightly crazy that I was like, I need, I need to figure out how these things came to be. I can't just plop them on here. Uh, that's not good enough for me <laughs> yeah i like i like knowing where things came from just as a person general i like knowing yeah. your story <laughs> like where were you born how how have you lived how have you developed what has made your events i just i genuinely like people's stories but for me that requires a backstory right um and so when working on this book everything needs to have a backstory my characters need to have a backstory my weapons need to have a backstory. My creatures need to have a backstory. <laughs> My countries need to have a backstory. I know how the tectonic plates shift like a lot ridiculously, of, a lot of detail climate, how all that works. It's it's, I can't help it. It's compulsory. Do it, you, it bothers me. Do you enjoy that part? Do you Absolutely. enjoy just
0: like getting <laughs> into the, into the nitty gritty?
1: I do. I do. It's sometimes it's exhausting. Like the, most most recent project these maps have gone through several phases <laughs> um the most recent one has been uh, like i was uh, getting to was that i've now developed for each of these regions their own timelines and how these countries developed over hundreds of years and now i'm trying to put them and merge them all together onto one picture onto one prompt and so I'm dealing with hundreds of years of different countries lining up. But I've, since I've developed each of the regions independently, th- each layer of the pictures that I've developed don't all line up with each other. So it takes okay. hours and hours and hours to go back through the written timeline, the visual timeline, and figure out, okay, this event is happening over here. When does that happen relatively to this? Can I get those on the same layer on this picture or, or do I have to shift things around? Do I have to go back and redraw something? And it's just, this is the least enjoyable part of developing. And I'm still having fun. (laughs) Well, that's always good. Like that's because it makes me go back to my, um, to the Excel sheet that I have the timeline for, which now I have to have two because there's too many tabs open. Um, and there's, I use them for different purposes. But basically, uh, when I mess with the visual timeline, I'm like, okay, these two events, I need to figure out how they're related to each other. Because once I see everything that's happening on the different regions next to each other, I start realizing, hey, wait a second, if this is happening over here and this is happening over here, do those actually affect each other? Is that gonna affect the timeline? Because now I can see if these two events are happening and they're only like 30 miles apart from each other or, you know, maybe 300 miles apart from each other. And if it's like, you know, 300 years ago, they might not have, you know, connection between each other and that's fine. But if it's like 100 years ago, people are connected enough now that I'm like, hmm, that might affect the timeline. So I have to go back through and say, okay, does this still work here? Does it relate to the other one? Does it not relate? Are they actually independent? Are they too close to each other that now I have to pick one? Well, if I pick one, I have to go back over to the written timeline and figure out which king or which president or which army is doing what. And can I remake that? And it just becomes, it just, it just, it, it, it explodes. <laughs> and it becomes right. this huge, huge thing. But I, I, it's, it's so much fun. Huh.
0: I find myself doing that a lot with like the short, the short like stories that I've created um, where I'll, I'll, I'll write out a lot of the details
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, and kind of like, kind of like an outline basically. And then from there, I'll try to flesh things out then after that point. But at least at least at that point, once I have the outline, I don't have to worry so much about the bigger picture. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Now, that doesn't have I don't think that happens. I don't think that um it's not as you don't have as many problems. Um, when you're, you're writing a smaller contained story, um, versus a larger, more encompassing story with all these different races, all these different characters, all these different, um, land masses, you know, all this, all this extra stuff that I don't generally think about because it's kind of like, it's uh, It's all all the stuff is small, self-contained stuff. Um, so I definitely have, have a lot of respect for (laughs) being able to organize it and then also have it all connect together in a logical way so that, um, it, there's a, there's a flow to it.
1: Right. Right. So,
0: um, did you have something to say about, about that? If not, I was just saying (laughs) like
1: in developing that, um, the, the biggest challenge is to figure out when to stop. And usually I just go until I burn myself out. Um, and then I move on, on to another thing. And then I come back and I say, okay, do I want to work on this more? So like there's multiple ages in this book. It's it's very Tolkien inspired. Um, and the further back you go, in story there's less historical record because that's just how stuff works. Um, and so... There's, you know there's been enough time for a lot of information to be lost things to turn into myth turn into legend and so I don't need to be detail orientated um, you know past I think I figured out like 700 years and I have been very 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 detail oriented past that 700 year mark there is one region there's one country that I have since 714 before the start of the story um bc but not c he's not he's not a jesus figure anyways (laughs) um before my main character um there's 700 years of this country that i have probably 70 percent of that time period written down almost year by year oh wow so there's like I may like skip 2 or 3 years here and there, but most of that has been documented. Um and I don't know if I necessarily needed to. I'm sure somebody else could have done it differently. Um but um I wanted to. But for the story purposes, past that point, not a lot of the events have ramifications for the present day they're kind of there they create context and i can just say yeah like 900 something years ago this thing happened if they go to a city that was has some major historical point
0: library or something yeah
1: exactly um like this was founded this many years ago and i don't need to explain why when where how um but i know generality the generalizations um so, that as I'm writing, I can at least, when I pull up something, I can keep track and say, nah, that probably wouldn't happen. Or it would happen maybe this way because this is generally the flavor of this age, even though I don't have the chronology na- nailed down, except for big major events. Um, I construct and, you know, they're all legends. But on the flip side of that, if I do go back and start um, developing something for the fun of it or something on my visual timeline doesn't quite make sense to me. And I need to write out, I need to make up characters and write out whatever kind of what was going on or what was in my head. Um, I have found that there's um, a couple of different um, legends is what I call them. um, And figures that happened in this timeline that actually unintentionally lined up with something that will happen in my book. And so I've been able to kind of stumble upon really cool characters and I'm like, Oh, this character that lived at this time period might actually inspire this other character to do something. Um, and it's just, it's, it's fun to walk into that and discover that. And so I've, developed many different stories throughout my life. This is the most recent one. I I would say that this is the third major story that I've worked on or written. There was one that I did back um, before I was a Christian in public school and then developed it a little bit after I was a Christian. Then there was one that I worked on in college. There's one I've been working on now. And the one that I worked on in college was the most developed one before this one. This is the one with the eight and a half by 11 foot map that I drew (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I have to figure out somewhere to put in my house. Um, I found that when I worked on the backstory, I stopped having fun and it became too much. Um, there were other dynamics in the story that I identified years later that were helping that, um, I wanted to put more stronger, like I wanted to put a Christian storyline in it. Like I wanted this to be like, I think it was, I had written um, a Noah narrative, a Moses narrative, and then a, I'm sorry, an Abraham narrative, and then a Davidic narrative for this made up fantasy world. And the more I did that, the more stressful it became because the more I had to be super careful of my theology, how I depicted God, where does Jesus come into the mix of these things. And it got to the point where um, when I started working on the backstory, I had to be then careful. Um, Is this going to accidentally mess with Something from the Bible that I'm not intentional about. Is there going to be a theme that's going to be in there? Am I going to be able to communicate this effectively? Um, They're going to have different stumbling blocks. And I, and I also started to understand how unique the experiences to, you know, the people of the Bible were to them. And it just became a burden. And when I transferred over to this, there's still going to be Christian themes. But it's not going to be the Bible 2.0. And I found that I've allowed myself to cycle through parts of this book. Like I will go and I will work on characters for a while. If I get burned out on the characters or if I get frustrated with something that one of my characters and I can't quite figure it out, I'll go and I'll work on my maps. Or I'll go and I'll work on my, my legends. Um, or I'll try to develop some, a new creature um, let's throw in a giant floating jellyfish or something. Um, or a sneezing sheep. <laughs> <laughs> um, or what would castles look like in this time period? Would they even have castles? Um, all those different kinds of questions so that I can keep flowing into the next idea and not overwhelm myself because I want it to be fun. And when it stops being fun, then I'm going to stop working on it because it's not my job. um, I don't want it to be necessarily become work. Even if I'm sitting there at one o'clock in the morning sometimes and just, you know, hitting something with a hammer. Cause I'm like, I'm in the headspace. I've got to figure this out. This is, this is important. Um, and, uh, most of the time I'll figure it out enough. And then like the other day, like I was talking to you about, I was swimming in, in the pool And um, I was just, uh, you know, enjoying the water and thinking about how, uh, you know, I was just messing around, pretending to be a kid again, you know, doing some kung fu moves. And Mm -hmm. um, I started thinking about, you know, I have an elemental magic system that, you know, kind of sort of depends on movement. And I was just thinking about how the water starts flowing around. Whenever you move your body. And, you know, I wasn't even thinking about my book, wasn't planning on my book, and then all of a sudden, boop, boop, boop. Hey, what if you did this for your magic system? And that new thought suddenly shifted my magic system from the point where I thought, This is really close to other people's ideas, and that's fine. It's different enough that no one's gonna necessarily be bad at mad at me um but that new thought shifted it over to something that i think is really unique and a whole bunch of problems that i'd been having with this magic system that forced me to cycle through it quicker than the other topics like i'd mess with it for like a half an hour and then i'd go and mess with the timeline for like six hours (laughs) Mm -hmm. this magic system started to make sense it blows my mind on how complicated it's now going to be but it's it's cool enough that i'm like yeah let's wrestle this thing out let's go the the
0: times when you were like i'm spending 30 minutes on this and then i want to go spend six hours on maps or you know or on uh, you know others other things now you're at the point where you're like hey i want to i want to spend six hours on just the magic system because this is cool and i want to know how this actually like like works and whatnot right
1: yeah right interesting yeah I think that's the most helpful advice that I've ever had. I can get all my advice from Pinterest, so you take everything <laughs> with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. I think the most helpful advice that I have found is it, it, write in whatever way works for you. For some people, they need the discipline of figuring out a book by writing it out, page by page with set times, set word goals and get it done. Um, That helps for writers that that's their job. They need to pump out a book so that they can eat. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And they work on how to do that and keep up their quality and all the really cool ways that they balance that out. And then some people like Brandon Sanderson takes, you know, a scientific approach Let me spend some time doing diagrams, writing this out. Um, I just watched a a video on um, Christopher Nolan on his mathematical approach to writing stories for his uh, movies and how he spends a lot of time before production starts diagramming, drawing, mapping it out, and then he goes into it. And um, for me, I take up, cyclical approach that sometimes I'll write a little bit and then I'll go on work on something from book seven and then I'll, maybe I'll work over to, to my monsters from like book six. Um, I I have a big enough series that I can do that with. Um, I would not, I, I, I never have ever worked on a book as a single volume before moving on to the second one or the third one, or even asking that question, is there going to be a second one or a third one? There has always been at least a trilogy and a prequel (laughs) (laughs) in every single book that I've done because I need that much room to be able to have a big enough playground of refinement and idea and space so that it's like when you need a giant workshop with all these different woodworking tools and all of these different tables and desks and types of wood, and you're messing with all of them as you're trying to figure out how to build this table or or whatever project you're working on, and there's stuff, there's bits and pieces, drawings everywhere, um chisels are are laying around you're trying not to you're you're brushing up sawdust yet again all so that you can figure out um a beautiful coaster right two inches by three inches right really small little thing um but that small little thing is something that you absolutely adore that you're proud of and is amazing and unique. Um it's not just something you, you picked up at um you know Walmart that's gonna look like a hundred other different ones. Right. 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 Um, but hmm. if you didn't have that I would not be able to design a coaster without that kind of a workshop. Yeah. That's just how I work.
0: It's interesting. Um, um so I was watching um, like I was telling you I was watching a YouTube video um, uh, of Brandon uh, Sanderson giving a lecture about just creative writing
1: mm-hmm. just
0: creative writing in general yeah. and um, i I'll post i'll put I'll put the the video youtube video in the description link but um in this particular Video, he was talking about how um, there are two distinct types of writers, mm. um, and uh, the first the first type of writer is called a gardener or discovery discovery writer, mm. um, and then the second type is called the architect or the outline ri- writer. Mm-hmm. And there, there are two ends of a spectrum um, of writing. You have your, your discovery, discovery writer, gardener, who doesn't really use an outline. They just sit down at a page and just start writing and they will just continue to write and it's all in their head and they just, you know, just start out just they go they outline as they write right <laughs> is basically the right the thing and then the outliner is is the exact opposite they sit down and they like they're like okay so you know section one is going to be um uh you know the introduction of the whole story. And then, you know, section two is going to be the mi- middle of the story. And then, you right. know, third section is going to be the, you know, and they have all these subpoints and points and whatnot outlined. And obviously there's varying degrees of, um, those two types. There's varying, um, you know, um, varying differences in how people use both of those things. Right. The funny thing is that, the outliner still technically at the end of the day is a discovery writer because right. even after they have made the outline, they're still going in and writing, you know, discovering oh, yeah. the right. actual,
1: how does this person right. say, this it's thing. just a right. little bit more. Structured. What color is this tree? <laughs> right.
0: Right. Um, so that was my question. What, what kind of writer
1: are you? Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> if my preamble is anything, I am. I am a combination of both. Which do you? Th- which do you think you lean more towards, though? It de- it depends, and here here's why. So version two, okay. Okay.
0: Um,
1: for a review for the people that are are new or have been listening for a while, I am on version four. There was a version zero, so that I'm on my fifth version. Um, but version. Zero was not a book. It wasn't a book form. That's why it's version zero. But the story has been through five renditions. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The second version, I actually wrote down the first book in its entirety. 24,000 words or something. Okay. I think it was 25 chapters. I love it. It's not necessarily the best in the world, but I'm like, oh, I love it. Every time I go back and read it, there's so much cringe and yet so much beauty in it. And the, one of the things I love about it is that 90% of it was discovery writing. Because I had, I think this series was only going to be five books at this point. And this first, I started writing that first book the story that happens in that first book was only supposed to be five chapters. So my five chapters that I went into write Mm -hmm. became 27 or something. Oh, (laughs) my word. And version one, that same equivalent of space was supposed to be a short prologue. So, and in version zero, it didn't even exist. Right. Um, But so in version one, I have a prologue that then I go into version two to write as a five chapter introduction that ends up being 25 pages. (laughs) And in version four, that same story, that content is now at least two books, possibly three has expanded. It is so expanded. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the, the timeline keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And, and, um, because when I sit down to write it's um, you've seen me do these like when I plan on my days I right. think I think you and I have talked about where I will schedule things and that's not how the day goes
0: <laughs> right right
1: then <laughs> I'll be like hey I'm going to do these four things today and then I sit down and somebody calls me <laughs> or you know and something else comes up that's just how I, I work so when i just how life works just how life works so i thoroughly enjoy writing backstories on everything because i want the biggest context possible to um
0: it influences it influences
1: your yeah your
0: story like what you're mm-hmm. writing right?
1: right yeah 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 i think um I think the point that I'm trying to make is I develop so that the plot is as consistent as possible in its giant mile markers that I have to get to. Who dies? Who doesn't die? Um, Where are their battles? At what time period do they get to this country? Um, And I, I need to know the grander context of that to give the world as much living material to work with so that when I sit down at the page, I can go through and decide what I want to keep and what I don't. Because there have been people that have shown up as I'm writing that I've just walked in and said, hey, I'm going to be a part of this now. And I'm just like, I love you and I will die for you. <laughs> You're in. You are now my new main character. Sorry, old main character. This guy's awesome. Or this girl is fantastic. I've done that so many times where I, one of my main characters was supposed to go on this journey um, with everybody else. And the more that I wrote, I wrote him in this version two, and then I wrote his backstory in version three. And now that I'm approaching what his role is in version four, he's not, um, he's now somewhere completely different. Um, he's in the same starting point, but he's not going to go on this journey with my main character anymore. He doesn't have the same relationship or role with that character. Um, And I wouldn't have known that without the backstory. So that's all of your outlining that I've done. Um, But then I wouldn't have known who he was until I started writing and discovered all of his quirks. Like one of the things that he loves, he loves trees because he lives in the North and hasn't seen a, a tree for like 20 something years. So he's fascinated by them. He loves the greenhouses that, are are in the city. Um I wouldn't have known that if I started writing. You can't plan that when you're when you're outlining, right? Um I've had his 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 buddy is now going to go on the adventure because his character as I I didn't plan him to be involved in anything. He was just somebody that he was talking to at the very beginning of the book in the prologue suddenly is now the type of character that my main character needs to go along with them. Um, I had them all go out on a journey to go find um, these artifacts that they needed uh, to beat a big bad guy. Um, I didn't know until I started writing that they knew somebody that already had one. I didn't know that <laughs> until I walk around on the, and I get myself into a situation. I think, Oh, well, where did that come from? And so I wrote that character's backstory and that is actually has five chapters to it that I actually wrote out, wrote out, not just outlined. Um, and when I did that, I discovered that he has a wife, that he knew these people, that he knew this other person that are going to pop up in the main story, some that already exist, some that didn't exist, and I've fallen in love with every single one of them. (laughs) And I can't let go of them. So all of a sudden, it's like, uh, cool. (laughs) And so it's like, I love having as big of an outline and as much detail as possible because I just love knowing where things come from. And I am perfectly comfortable with that not popping up in the book if it's not necessary or if it's like or if it is um doing something like like tolkien like he's not gonna tolkien did this really interesting thing that i'm trying to figure out what i want to do it in my book or not is that he wrote all these songs which is like the coolest thing i can't write music at all not my skill i can do poetry but all my is is free verse postmodern stuff um none of it rhymes (laughs) that's a lot of work (laughs) but tolkien has that method of he brings in stories from the first age when the elves are all doing their thing and defeating morgoth and and all that and numenor and all the stuff that happens on the Silmarillion he has in the Lord of the Rings, but he has it as poetry, as he songs, which is a brilliant idea in terms of storytelling, because it's not a flashback. It's not an aside where you're going to have a whole chapter that's, let's explain Baron and Luthien, if that's how you pronounce their names. Um, so, because that would bog down the story. Um, if you told it in the same manner right and so instead he has it as a song and so you can like you can read through a song pretty quickly it's a really short condensed version it's very you know it's poetic and some people like that some people don't but in terms of storytelling it doesn't break up the the flow of it and i think that's just really
0: cool. So the idea, uh, maybe I didn't initially capture it, but, um, what, what Brandon, I almost said Fraser. but <laughs> Brandon Sanderson, different, uh, brilliant. Dude. <laughs> yeah. What Brandon Sanderson said, um, about the gardener, like, like typical, typical gardeners, the in quotes right. gardeners of writing, mm-hmm. um, like George Martin would be a gardener. Mm, gotcha. Um, you. And Stephen King, yes, would be a gardener, where right. they just sit down and they just go, and they just go right right <laughs> um, <laughs> he was saying how uh Brandon was saying how um if for a gardener if you have an if you have an outline and you really work hard on it, your brain almost feels like you've already written the story if you have a good outline mm. because a lot of the major details are in that outline. Like uh, like you can, you can easily follow it from point a in the outline to point Z in the outline and you can see the flow of it. Right. Um, and so there's that, I guess internally there's that understanding that, Hey, this is a, this is a, this is a story that I've written, even though you haven't necessarily um, told. yeah. 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 So, um, that was, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was really interesting, uh, so there was a, there was a question that was asked in this lecture, lecture, um, about how you keep your readers interested. Um, Ooh. and this, yeah, and it was good. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, so yeah. the, the, so yeah, so the question was, how do you keep your readers interested in your story? And the and and that w- that question was asked in a uh, section of the lecture where they were talking about uh, 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 promise, progress, and payoff, which are the three uh, mm, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. three P's okay. of storytelling.
1: <laughs> hey, there you go. It sounds like he's a very organized and outlined oh, person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well and also he, he made that he made the he made the joke that uh appa- apparently in his books mm-hmm. he has a ton of maps for the most random things yeah and so he, he was he was making the sarcastic comment that he has no idea you know who would who would be who wouldn't be making so many maps and whatnot
1: and <laughs> i'm waits. in good company yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um but um, and I think I have over 120.
0: You have a h- over 120 maps?
1: I think so at Holy this point. Holy nuts. <laughs> They're all the That's same crazy. thing. They're just of different time points in history. Oh,
0: man. I mean, that would make sense
1: from For different I, versions. Maybe what not. I saw. Close. close. I, I'm getting close <laughs> to at least 100. Maybe not 120. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of all the old versions, too. <laughs> Yeah. I've done a lot. Anyways. (laughs) No, 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 you're good. (laughs) So,
0: um, he, he, Brandon initially started talking about promises that you make in your story and Mm. how it's very important to, to be aware of the promises that you're making. Right. And not, um, for the most part, not, um, break those promises. Right. Mm um and um like a good a good example of um a good example of this would be that um at the very beginning you make a promise about something yeah right it can Mm -hmm. be literally anything and like in star wars it was Luke, Luke Skywalker is going to travel the galaxy. He's going to be. He's going to go up into a ship and and fly. Right. And um, but then there was a sub. There was a subset promise, not promise. Uh, there was a subset of that. Yeah. Um, and um, so in a book, you have those promises at the very beginning. And then, as the reader goes through, you know there's certain parts where um, that promise is being fulfilled and that right. that that the the promise being fulfilled part is known as the as progress mm-hmm.
1: in right
0: in the promise progress and payoff part um, or points there's a lot of peas in this. Um, and if you are, if it, if that's a good, um, if you're doing it well, then the progress readers would call a page turner
1: Mm, because
0: they, they can actively see, that progress progress is being made towards the promise that you have made to them. Right. And so it was just very cool, um, to hear about that connection that's made between those two progress and, and, um, a promise or promises and, um, how they're connected together. Right. Um, Yeah, it's just very. I haven't gotten to the payoff yet, so that that's going to have to be you know two so, episodes from now or an episode from now. You know,
1: I was talking to <laughs> our buddy Noah the other day about this exact thing. Were you really? That's because I was ranting about Naruto. <laughs> so heavy, heavy spoilers. If you don't, if you're watching Naruto, or if you if you don't want to know how it ends, skip a little bit ahead because I'm going to <laughs> heavily spoil it.
0: Hello, listeners. This is future Josh here. He definitely spoiled a lot, Uh, so much so that I don't even need to watch the show anymore. Uh, If you'd like to continue watching, though, without knowing the complete and total emotional train wreck that you are about to get yourself into, keep listening. Otherwise, skip ahead to 48 minutes and 15 seconds.
1: Thanks. So Naruto has this character from almost the very beginning that's always been there. And his name is Madara. He's the charge. Uh, he was the founder of this clan called the Uchiha clan. Naruto's best friend, Sasuke, is from the Uchiha clan. There's a whole bunch of stuff that has to go on with this clan. But Madara has always been a part of that conversation after like the second arc. And he just keeps being brought in. In the beginning, he's just talked about his historical figure. And then you start asking questions about his: did he make the right decisions as a historical figure? And then should Sasuke be following that? What implications does his choices have? So he's becoming more and more involved in the story as this specter, as this historical figure. And then he pops up. He comes up as an actual character. He's there. He's around. He's here. And then slowly, more and more and more and more, he's involved. Until the very end, somebody resurrects him. And in the best, one of the best moments in the whole show is this legendarily powerful figure shows up. This guy that's been planning and being, you know, conniving and just cool the whole time shows up, in this big giant war that they're having and everyone's involved everyone's fighting and he looks around and he's like nah i'm just gonna sit here he just sits down and he's just like i'm not gonna get involved and on the one hand you're like what do you mean you're not gonna get involved i want to see something what happen <laughs> but at the same time you also know he's so he's like three steps ahead of everybody so he knows he can just relax he doesn't need to get involved yet it's not his time to do anything he's like a little evil jesus he's like it's not my time (laughs) (laughs) but people figure out that he's alive so they go after him so it kind of twists the your expectation of he's gonna go and he's gonna get himself involved because he's back it's like no they're gonna go after him so you have this whole, I think it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these ninjas. And they go in and they attack this guy. And, he's, and he looks around and he looks at all of them. He's like, I will give you this chance. You can leave now and not die. Or we can fight and you will most certainly die. And of course, you know exactly what's going to happen. And he just annihilates everybody. It's one of the coolest scenes in the whole show because he starts pulling out all these powers. All these powers have been foreshadowed for episodes and episodes and episodes. Some of them you've seen in smaller versions from other characters, but he just, uh, especially through Sasuke, has been practicing all these powers. And he's a pretty strong dude at this point. Madara takes it, and it's like, like we were talking about, it's like comparing the Hiroshima bomb to the Tsar (laughs) Bomba. It's just (laughs) magnitudes of time, more powerful, and you're just like, Oh my gosh, this guy's a threat and he's a bad guy. And so you have more episodes of him now involving himself in the war, now just going through and kicking people's butts. You know, Mm. it's just all these really strong, powerful figures. And so you know what's coming. You know that Naruto and him are going to have to face off and most likely Sasuke is going to get involved and maybe Sakura is going to be there and their mentor, Kakashi's. Everyone's kind of all lining up. Everyone's kind of getting there. Some of the bad guys have turned to join the good guys because Madara is so terrifyingly powerful. They all have to work together. And, and get- fade black. <laughs>
0: well, Madara
1: gets the ultimate power. And he's like now this st- stupidly strong monster of a dude Mm -hmm. and you are sitting there and you're thinking how are they going to win they have to work together they have to all be one cohesive unit all of the themes are lining up all of the backstories and storylines are working together it is this beautiful moment of this legendary foreshadowed figure Versus your protagonist, and you're just you're ready for the slugfest. Give me the episode where you pour all of your animation into and just make it beautiful. Let me get my popcorn. I'm I'm a happy camper, right? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> you know, I've got all of my Naruto paraphernalia. I'm just like, woo! <laughs> they kill Madara, but it's not any of the main characters. Madara gets his ultimate power, and then out of nowhere this side character just stabs him in the back. And he dies. And you're like, what? 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 And suddenly it shifts. And you have this new character introduced. And you have four episodes of lore dump at the very end of this show that's been anticipated for decades at this point and it's this weird alien creature from outer space that's responsible for all the talker and all the all the all the problems and naruto and sasuke have to go do this other thing and they come back and then they beat the alien and you're like when i was reading it through the manga i put down the book and i didn't finish the story for five years i couldn't do it because i was so upset that everything that this guy had been setting up for he suddenly undermined with not something that was anticipated. There wasn't it wasn't a twist ending in the sense of like, oh, the real villain was Naruto all along, or something still stupid. But that would have been, you know, at least in universe workable. Instead, he brought up something completely new at the very end. At least when J.K. Rowling did kind of the same thing with the Deathly Hollows. She already had them existing in the books throughout the whole time so that when Harry and Ron and Hermione start interacting with them in the last, last book, it's not completely out of left field. Though you're kind of thinking, if he was hunting the Horcruxes, why did he need to go find the Elder Wand? Why was why did we need another kryptonite if we already had another one set up that had a right. lot more lore thing? right? But she did it better than this one. So... Right.
0: Well, there, there again is that, uh, you know, there was a promise that was made throughout and I'm, mm. I don't know about, I have never watched nor probably will ever, but Not, never say never, my, uh, never say never, um, I have a Sparks notes <laughs> have ever seen the ner- ner- Naruto, Naruto yeah. however you say it, um, I butchered it and, uh, it's fine. It's Japanese <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I've never seen it. But have probably been promising that or making that promise throughout a few seasons, if not all of them. Yeah. And then they just took that away and was like, nope, never mind. <laughs>
1: i can't figure out a way for them to beat him right so i'll kill him off in a different manner and give him a more easier villain to fight and you're like no do the hard work and figure it out so
0: we'll have to we'll have to uh we'll have to talk about more of this later but to kind of wrap everything up there was a brandon sanderson was talking about this specific thing and how especially with that page Turner thing. Mm -hmm. Um, people know when people can tell people can call you out on like can, can tell like when you're BSing them. Right. Uh And, um, and he, he had an example of, you know, in his, in one of his books, some, some of his characters had to go from point a, um, and they were at point A, and the characters themselves said, Hey, we need to go to point B. Mm-hmm. But Brandon knew, Well, actually, they technically need to go to point C. And so, you know, they started on their journey, and then, you know, at some point got re diverted down to point C. Right. And when he, when he, had a test read done mm-hmm. of There's that beta section readers, yeah. beta reads um there were uh, almost every single person who read that part said that that was their least favorite part in the book mm. and it was because he had made a promise right and he never like he had made a promise that the characters were going to go were going to go to point B right right mm-hmm. Even though they technically needed to go to point C, right, and so when the characters got redirected to point C, people were waiting
1: for th- point, for
0: point B, B because they thought that point B was still the main goal, right? Even though point C was the actual main goal,
1: right, right, right.
0: And so there's that there's that example of a promise that was made previously that what was unintentionally. Not kept, right? And how it messes with readers, yep. Um, and and the flow of the flow of 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 your story, so right. Yeah, it it was very cool. It was very cool to to see have that example and to kind of like 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 I said again, make those make those connections with how how just how important making promises because I, I really hadn't ever thought about it like yeah. that. Like making yeah. promises in your, in your stories and not fulfilling them. Right. Um, so
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this has been fun. It's been a long episode actually. It's uh it's a, it's going on. Well, now it just hit an hour. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That was so, fast. Yeah, it did. Didn't it? Um, but, uh, we'll have to do this again because there's like i still have stuff to talk about (laughs)
1: all right cool (laughs) so all
0: right well it's been fun thanks for
1: thanks for joining hey no problem thanks for having me yep
0: well listeners that's it for episode three thanks for listening Um, Like all good episodes, they have to come to an end. But thankfully, this podcast doesn't. We will be back with episode four, where I will be talking with Noah, one of my other friends, um, about his story and some other interesting um, creative story uh, settings, systems, characters, all that good stuff. So uh, feel free to tune in um, to episode four.